If you're like most people, you are probably having days when it feels like life is out of control. You may be overscheduled, trying to squeeze in food shops and healthcare appointments between work and fun and recreation. You may feel overwhelmed by the number of choices that you're forced to make every single day, from hair products and body wash to credit cards and car purchases. You may be drowning in notifications, emails, voicemails, messages, junk mail, social media, the list goes on. In the midst of such chaos, many of us secretly desire a simpler life. One that means being present, where we are able to relax, breathe, and even enjoy some peace of mind. But our well-being is an afterthought. It's all too common to be powering through life, pushing ourselves to immense limits, but we, for some reason, wait for our health to be affected before turning to proactive solutions. It will be a relief to no longer buy into this rushing around. It gives a sense of self-importance and in the eyes of another person. But by doing so, we lose sight of ourselves, who we are, and what we want from life. Why are we being reactive and not proactive? The time is now. Waking up to your behaviours will be the start of change. Today, our focus is on leadership. Leadership defined by growth. Winner takes all competition. Consumption and separation is a root of many of the problems we see in the world. But a new story is forming. Leadership is growing and working with the rules of life. Cycles, connection, regeneration, love, and reciprocity. Today, in this episode of Success Talks, we have Andres Roberts with us from Bio Leadership. His vision is to help a global ecosystem of people to grow this new story all over the world. Andres is a guide dedicated to a new kind of progress, fit for a positive future for all. His work combines renewed ideas about learning and change, reconnection to nature, and the wisdom of ancient cultures to help more positive and more systematic change and growth. Our big question today is what are the benefits of stillness? Andres, welcome to Success Talks. How is life treating you? Sammy, thank you. It's, it's really nice to join. Um, and thanks for such a warm introduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well, happily. You know, it's, um, it is spring, isn't it? And uh, uh, that makes things lighter and brighter and um, more airy. So, yeah, all good. It's all good. Oh, pleasure to hear. And I agree with you. It feels different. I like having the natural light wake me up and instead of the artificial one <laughs> makes a difference. Yeah, we've got um, have a little two-year-old daughter and, and now sort of five o'clock at the end of the day and if she's at nursery and I go to pick her up, it's nice to not come back in, in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the brightness of this time of year feels really good. Yeah, 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 same. Uh, can you explain why are you so passionate about improving leadership 
to become more nature aware? Yeah. Um, well, the, the biggest story that I work with is that there are there are challenges that we're facing in the world today. You know, the climate situation is part of it. Inequality. Um, people seem perhaps to be a little bit more polarized from each other. And um, outside of the issue alone, I'm really fascinated by the fact that there's perhaps a story of development or a story of leadership that has created those problems. There's a story that we've built over time, which is about growth, which is about a certain kind of competition, which is about um, very linear forms of taking from the earth, whether it's resources or even people manufacturing and putting it out to the world without giving back. And that story, I think, has, is part of the problems that we've created. And I'm, I'm not necessarily about saying that was really bad and it's terrible, and, but, but I do think we need to create a different story. And, and then if you look to nature, if you look to the natural rhythms and patterns of nature, you start to see that things work in cycles. You start to see that things work in relationships. You start to see that um, uh, there is an implicitly something about regeneration. And I think we can develop a new story of leadership that works with nature and for nature in that way. And um, it's interesting because I think even four years ago, that might have sounded a little wacky or esoteric or people would have used the term, you know, a little bit like hippie. Whereas now, I think some of the most pioneering, exciting organizations in the world are demonstrating a way of doing that that feels like, yeah, this is the kind of leadership we need. So, yeah, it's great to hang out in nature. It's really beautiful, but also it's got the code that we need to work with to protect all of our lives. Mm -hmm. But why has that changed? You say four years ago it was different. What has been the, if there is just one thing, that made leaders wake up to it? Um, I, I think more people all of a sudden recognize that the reality of the global context is serious. You know, the pandemic, there's a lovely cartoon. I say lovely, that's not the right word for it, but there's a cartoon that shows the pandemic, the pandemic as a wave crashing on a city and the wave is kind of smallish. And then there's another wave following, which is recession. And then there's another even bigger wave, which is climate. And then there are other big waves. Like, I think... I think the world is waking up to the fact that um, we've driven social systems and definitely planetary systems to a really dangerous point. Mm. Um, and, and even if we don't sit down and think about it every day, I think a lot of people feel that. You know, a lot. Yes, it's in the news and in heavy headlines, but David Attenborough is on the television and millions and millions of people all around the world are looking at a story of extinction. But also, you know, I think in the work that you do over the last, I think what you do is related to and builds even on what's happened over the last 80 years where the conventional organizational structure, the traditional business form that we've had over the last hundred years does not bring the best out of people and does not do the most to protect our communities and our and our um, environment doesn't do it justice. You know the the, the place where we belong. You mm -hmm. know, and you know, there's that lovely thing about um, uh, economics is the management of the home. Those the, the the root words of economics are those two meanings. You know, like how do we care for home? And 
ask the, let's ask the question, are we taking care of home in the broadest sense possible? Are we taking care of ourselves? Are we taking care of home? Uh, maybe the business forms and the ways of leading leadership of the last century are letting us down and we need something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said something quite interesting there about uh, how we think and feel. We feel something's not right, but we haven't been doing any thinking. And from my experience, that's because we've been focused on this growth, this busy culture, the competition. And that has been so noisy because you have to be fast paced to be better than the next person that, yes, we can feel it, but we haven't had the time to think until it's too late. It's always a matter of, oh, when it's too late. Like I said in the beginning, our well-being is an afterthought. It's not until we have the heart attack that we say, oh, okay, maybe I should be proactive and change certain behaviors why is this the case why why is it happening um, uh, it's interesting because I, I, I i'm half with you there in the well i'm certainly with you that we leave it too late i don't know if we fully let ourselves feel it actually and in the sense that i think a lot of people have this feeling that something's not quite right yeah. do we actually speak about it do we actually honestly bring it out to the surface and go hey this is how i'm doing at the moment and with authentic vulnerability and honesty and courage bring it to the front and say what we're doing here is making us feel like this i don't know if that part is complete and then the the other bit for me is um maybe we over rely on the thinking part so yes, we think about it, but but I f- I feel like the world is in a place where we feel like we can find an answer and rationalise it, and and com- the change is very complex, uh, you know, and and the world is in a very complex place, and we might go a little bit too quickly to that place of like I've thought about this and I've got an answer, um, mm-hmm. so it cycles back to some of what we were speaking about and the theme that you know we're going to explore, which is we need a little bit of extra stillness and we were speaking before starting weren't we um that weirdly although a pandemic is sort of on the world and you think we'd be challenged to slow down we haven't necessarily slowed down we seem to have compressed time even more so the moment that we would have had to be on a bicycle or in the car traveling to work or to meet friends that seems to have gone um, it's sort of back-to-back meetings, moments, connections for a lot of people. And um, when we do that, we well, one, we lose that sense of space and stillness. And I, I would say we lose the capacity to, to think and feel as wholly, or to, or, you know, when I mean whole, I mean to, in a way that connects with the bigger picture, in a way that connects with what's actually happening in my life and the life around me in order to make wise decisions um so i would say we need to feel it a little bit more and make room to feel it and we need to just check whether we think we've cracked it by thinking because i i think we need to find space to think in a different way as well what does stillness actually mean oh that's such a good one um i was asked something similar earlier this week actually and i found myself saying one of the things i mean i don't know if 
the audience or your audience knows this, but one of the things that I do is take people out into nature, honoring something that ancient traditions would have called it a vision quest or a nature quest. So it's the moment of you leave your society behind, you leave family, you leave work for a few days, you prepare yourself to be alone in the wild. And rather than an adventure or a kind of conquering type experience, it's about finding somewhere where you can be still, you'd make a circle, you'd be far, far away from people, which is, which is doable in England and Wales and, you know, the UK, it's definitely doable. And uh, you, you would go into that circle and stay there from sometimes just a few hours, but ideally a day or, or, or four days um, without distractions, without your phone, without gadgets, without books, without ideally notepads, just to notice like just to notice and you'd be amazed when I come and get people from that experience um a light just brightens in their eyes it's so extraordinary even even if it's rained even if it's been a little cold you know you look at people and they've come back to a way of being actually you know they, they've come back to their body they've come back the alertness has come back into their eyes. They seem brighter. And um, it's very, very raw, raw and beautiful. You know, it's very, very honest. I don't, I don't give people instructions necessarily, but I, I help them prepare for it. And I do give them some instructions. But there's something very pure about it mm. and very alivening about it. And then um, the reason I'm saying, saying that now is because we do invite people to work with, with one with one thing that feels really helpful and it's the directions we call it the directions or you might call it the seasons and um again our ancestors right across cultures in europe and asia in africa and in the americas would have would have honored the fact that all aspects of life had spring or the sunrise where the day begins there's summer or noon where things grow and expand and feel full there's sunset or autumn when the leaves fall back to the ground when life contracts and begins to fade away and there's winter where there's stillness and you have to have that stillness before spring comes again and every aspect of life really if you look deeply every aspect of life has those seasons but we have come so far away from having a sense of those seasons in our life or having the skill to work with those seasons. So we seem to be very addicted to spring-like energy. We seem really addicted to summer-like energy. We have to be doing and busy and growing and building and feeling bountiful all of the time. We perhaps are less adept nowadays at that contracting energy of bringing something close and inside and into winter and then being still. But I, I feel that skill in how we lead life and work now has to be more adept at working with all of those seasons, really. That's, yeah. The quality of stillness is that is that moment before something else can be born again. Uh, and, and it's also the place where we draw learning and wisdom from, actually. So the way you describe stillness, at first I was thinking I would call it being present, where things, you, you slow down, you notice your breath as a minimum. You, you can um, 
you know, feel the temperature, the smells, like you, you're actually just fully aware of what you're doing right now. But you're saying it's stillness is more than that. It's, it's some of it, but actually being with nature and the rhythms of our, um, all of, of the cycles of nature, seasons. I always find it interesting how, because uh, you said about going out into the field, you know, putting a circle around you and just being there, being still. And people would be turned off by the idea of doing it because of things like, oh, but it might rain. And so that's beautiful. It's it's rain. It's it's not going to kill you. Like it, it's just nice on your skin. If you went to a desert, you'd really appreciate some rain. And I love how green our trees are, uh, our grass. Uh, and if you went to other countries where they don't have as much rain, you don't get to see that. And I often feel that we don't appreciate what we, particularly in the UK, what we have here. And that's some beautiful seasons that are different um i find it beautiful but i wasn't that person and i know particularly with my clients i call them great people they're busy 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 and we have these like shoulds particularly uh, when i was in the corporate world uh, i felt really uncomfortable to withdraw from the world as i knew it uh, fast-paced and to inject more stillness. It just, it wasn't a familiar place for me and I resisted it. And I resisted it because I had my reasons, my expectations of myself. And it was things like, I should, my ego fully stepped in and it was, well, I should be driving two hours to this meeting. I should be eating with my clients. I should be available for my manager when they want me should after should after should and it kept me in the cycle of movement there was no stillness and I was I'm, I'm very grateful for my partner he's very still <laughs> he's present all the time I'm future person he's very present and I enjoy being in his company because he slows me down uh, just breathing with him gives me that connection to myself to him but more importantly to the present moment. What sort of practices do you recommend for people to begin that journey for stillness when right now they're back to back with meetings uh, or yeah. when we do go back to the office, driving everywhere or commuting? It's brilliant. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's so nice to hear that. And, and, and I would, I would, um, I would also go with that definition of stillness as well, actually, like that capacity to be present and in the, in the moment. And, and um, it's interesting because what, one, of the, one of the folks that I have learned a lot from is a gentleman in the US and he's a bit of an elder and it's called John P. Milton. And uh, he's taken people into nature, you know, the way that I described for, for decades and decades now. And he also brings practices from different traditions around the world. He does a lot with Taoism, uh, which is where we get that notion of yin and yang. And John would say to, to cultivate that deep awareness, and he, he calls it a connection to source, you know, that, that deep knowing of who we are, of how we are, of how, how life flows, and, and perhaps a place where we feel most at ease and peaceful and comfortable with being alive he says that there are two qualities or two principles that are important one is presence 
the capacity to be in the moment, but the other one is relaxation. And there's this idea that you can you can be really sort of hell bent on being present in the moment and so rigid and so tight. But how do you bring the quality of presence alongside that so that the two work in in kind of alchemy? And um, books have been written about presence. You know, bo books have been written about the power of now. And I would say perhaps what we have forgotten is that we need the book about relaxation alongside those those things. And then the reason I, I love some of what you said is, is because I'm, I'm with you, you know, in the flow of the seasons, you know, when, when it feels like we're in spring and summer and autumn and, or winter, how do we stay in that state of presence and relaxation in all of those moments? And it it is interesting that, um, I mean, I've certainly found that over the pandemic, I've just gone from one Zoom call to the next and the space in between has disappeared. So where do you practice that? Because I can't go to the gym. I can't go, you know, I can go for sort of some walks, but I certainly haven't found very little to room to, um, sit and be still and read a newspaper in the day you know um so then it becomes for me around how can i be in the moment present and relaxed you know how can i be um like totally in this conversation and at the same time somehow bring my practice of letting go into the conversation um so so i, I would say for both of them well i do a lot with the senses and with nature but for me, there's a lot to, well, breathing always, you know, and, and if you said to me, just one thing to take away, one thing to do, I think a couple of moments for five minutes of just noticing, breathing in and breathing out, you know, and then when a thought comes, noticing what that thought is and, and not being, um, not, not being held hostage to it, not having to respond to it, but just noticing that's already big and there are people who practice meditation very deeply but I bet in the pandemic just doing that <laughs> for five minutes twice a day or once a day you know for doing it before bed for doing it when you wake doing it when you wake up I think is a big thing so cultivating that capacity to notice without judgment you know to be in ha, ah, that's how I'm being right now feels is, is helpful but the other one is is the relaxation piece you know it's been super helpful for me in my life, a practice of just little body scans of like, you know, this might not work on, a, on audio alone, but if I clench my fist, if I clench my fist as hard as I can and then let it go, if I observe and if I work a little bit with what is it that I do with my mind and my body when I clench the fist, but what is it that I do when I let the fist go? It's a, it's a really different intention and action. It's, it's a really different um, mental um, movement as well as a physical movement. And letting go is much more like a sigh. Just you know, felt like, it. I, I just did it as, you, as you're describing it. And I feel the tension as I clench my fist. The second I let go, I almost have this like, energy that just like tingles and if it, it's that release <laughs> you have it perfect perfect now day by day 
you, I love the way that you use colors. In each of the colors of activity that you use, what kind of energy are we bringing to, to so many of them? My, my guess is, I don't know, this should be, there's probably science on this, 80, maybe 85, 90% of the time, we're moving through life in a way where if it's not a very physical form of clenching like that, it's a mental form of effort, yeah. of trying. And so how do we bring a practice of that, like let, letting go? What you're saying that it's like your physiology, the way you're thinking, whatever state of mind you're in, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're joyful, two completely different states of mind. What's your physiology doing? Uh, are you then hunched over if you're frustrated for me i'm tense i can feel it in my legs my arms i'm like on the point of getting really angry and it's uh, making me a little bit snappier so when i'm interacting with people they may sense it but the whole energy i'm projecting is is frustration when i'm joyful oh i'm loose i'm bouncy i have a big smile and you know it's very infectious and people walk past me and all of a sudden they're smiling too because i'm all you know happy they've just walked into my energy so they feed off it so you're saying it's the uh the stillness can bring awareness to your state of being what are your what's your physiology doing and how is that impacting you but also other people particularly if you're working in an office say yeah what's the culture you're breeding is everyone on edge i can imagine that a um, stock market office is completely different vibe to if you walked into a um like a meditation studio for example that they're, they're different vibes altogether yeah i love that i mean we all know it we all feel it don't we that two groups of people could be working on a similar kind of thing but the energy in two different rooms could be different and um and i definitely feel that we you know we are only human <laughs> but we vibe off each other in different ways i mean i, I say that in a really like yeah we you know we're alive and energetically we sort of riff off each other so we can still be busy we can still be sort of fully immersed in something um it could be you know, oh, I've got to do my accounting or we're working on a project. But the, the bringing in those intentions of both presence and relaxation, I think we can do in every moment. And the quality of thinking that comes out of that, that stillness, I think is really brilliant. The, the other thing that came to mind is, if you look at loads of different deep wisdom, you know, sort of texts from eastern you know people who've written them in the mountains meditating and or actually you know if you look at sort of um a lot of buddhist theory or mindfulness theory now um i i love this uh really whole thinking like we see that we see clarity and we see connection and we feel it not only by trying to think really hard about it but by uh opening the heart space it's really amazing and, and um, you know, so it starts almost with uh, kindness as an intention. And so the combination of stillness, kindness or care, all of a sudden opens up to much more generative, creative, um, re reciprocal, wise thinking. And, and that's, that's what the world needs. So I don't think it's about saying, hey, let's be kind to each other for the sake of being nice 
I mean, we should be, I think. It's also that cycle that you just described of from there, we create much more generative cultures, communities, et cetera, et cetera. And it, and it feels good. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a yes to that whole cycle really. Mm, yeah, what you give out is what you get back. You attract. Uh, the law of attraction, in fact, is, um, is, is that. I was thinking about, uh, like, if you're in a corporate space, you might be listening to this now thinking, well, I'm one of many. What's the point? But actually change starts with you because it will have a ripple effect to everyone around you. So you may feel a bit powerless and what's the point? But you can start that momentum. A stand innovation starts with someone who stands up, claps, then the next person and the next person. And before you know it, if you're at the back, you have no choice but to stand up if you want to see what's going on. So everyone just benefits from it. So make the change, start the stillness. And not just you will benefit from it, but everyone else will too. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M make it, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a positively addictive. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> everyone likes to be around good people, uh, or at least I think they do. <laughs> so in summary, what you're saying is that no matter where you are, take time out for stillness um that minute can be it could be for a minute an hour a day just make time for it what are the key benefits that you've seen for for an individual you, you've mentioned some there already the ripple effect um from my own experience i've seen people improve their confidence on the back of it I've seen clarity, and I think when there's clarity, Jesus Christ, so much happens on the back of, of just having um, a quiet mind and, and seeing things for what they really are. Are there any other benefits? Oh, yeah. I mean, people have written about the science of this, and we see more and more of it now, both of um, meditation, of slowing down, or of... of um, and, and what I know a little more about some of the studies that have happened is in, in relation to nature, because, you know, one of the things that I do, obviously, is help people go out and to be alone and to be still in, in nature. And there's a practice called forest bathing. Kind of sound, quite, sounds quite grand, doesn't it, to call it a practice? But in, in, in Japan, where it developed as a formal study and research area, they call it forest bathing, uh, shirin yoku. And, um, you know, it improves your, um, it, it influences your parasympathetic uh, system, which is related to relaxation and stress. It improves your white blood cell count. It reduces your cortisol levels of so a stress hormone. Other people have shown how it, um, time alone and walking in nature it improves your lateral thinking and creativity. Um, you know, there are just so many, if you ask the question, what's the benefit of it? of not being fully in the doing mode and especially if you do it in a way where you're intentionally saying and i'm going to sort of, sort of be gentle and, and make room for myself there's there's loads of stuff there's loads of stuff i mean there is science about the benefits of awe of, of being in, of um seeing the world through wonder which perhaps is closer to some of what you do actually than, than what i'm speaking to um 
so that so there are so many different measures of it i i also just feel that there's this human thing and boy don't we feel it right now i i see it when we in programs and when we meet in person but sometimes the spirit of a, of a zoom call of a group and zoom call gets to this point of maybe starting with us with a with a poem or or reading words that mean something to us you know even that even the minute or two minutes or even starting together by by having a breath you know like just just like how about a minute or two minutes we're doing that with every one of our team meetings at the moment let's just and we've just launched big global programs and we've got a lot of you know like lots of different interesting client things going on and we're having to work out how we work in new team structures for ourselves and sometimes it's just half an hour that we have together and we'll say should we just should we just have a minute of silence because we've all just come out of something else where we've been going really fast and um and you know and so, and with a lot of of public facing stuff we'll say we'll just we'll just invite everybody to go off screen for a moment and have a minute of silence and maybe someone will even guide a little body scan um and people appreciate it so much and then you can see you can feel that the quality of the conversation is so much better um, so simple but powerful i always find um the breathing technique is almost like yawning when someone yawns you have no choice but to yawn <laughs> you cannot control it if you were the leader of that call and you say, you know, let's just take some deep breaths in for four, out for four. If it may feel awkward, but I guarantee even if someone was sat there going, I'm not taking part, they have no choice but to take part. It does slow them down. They naturally want to breathe with you. And so you are getting them into a state of calmness, ready for whatever it is that you're about to talk about or do. Completely agree. Yeah. And it is interesting, isn't it? Because it takes us to that sort of maybe that cultural boundary of people feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Drinking water. We should just start to get to a point where it feels like it's just like a drink of water. It's like having breakfast. Yeah. You know? we, we, Breaking down the stigma. Just do it. What is the harm? If there's so many benefits of this, what is the harm of just doing one minute of breathing or one minute of silence? There's yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like th there is no other reason not to do it exactly. yet we are still in a position where we're not doing it yeah as much you know another another angle is um angle doesn't do it right to do this but but um the quakers i don't know if you've ever you know the quakers um uh would they they invite meetings more from that place of silence <clears throat> and then rather than an agenda or rather than a big sort of a plan the, the idea there is I'm not describing it in in the most accurate way, but but uh, the idea is people only speak when they've got when they feel like there's something really valuable to share. So often the often the the feel of a of a Quaker meeting might be more of deep silence, deep kind of stillness as a group, and then if someone's sort of really thought, okay, you know, I've got something that's really sort of useful here, then that's when they would offer it. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because I'm so time focused. And if you've got a meeting, having some level of agenda steers it in the right direction so you're on track. However, the whole no agenda I find very important for creative work, uh, for brainstorming. Whatever the thought is, let's roll with it. 
that doesn't need structure. Structure actually squishes the creative side of it. I think, I mean, there are other forms of process, aren't there? There's what technically it's called open space technology, where there's no agenda. And you just say, hmm, imagine there's 20 people and they're trying to work together on something. You, you just say, well, what feels important to work with here now and what should we work on? And, and it's that is there's the tension of uh, structure and openness that becomes interesting. That that connects a lot with some of the work that I do. And interestingly, I, I mentioned it before, you know, John's teachings, John Milton, who I spoke, spoke to about, all of it for me is that dynamic of yang, mm-hmm. the active force, the doing, but it's also the structure that contains you know, it's the holding boundaries and the yin, the empty space. And uh, and the, the yang, or in some traditions you call it the divine masculine. That's not about gender, it's about the form of energy. You know, is there, I want to have a straight or a solid line that tells us where we're going versus something that yields and is more sort of room, roomful, <laughs> spacious, which is the yin. And I think in all aspects of life, we can play around with that yang and yin. But when the world is really going very, very fast and we're struggling to find room, we can all ask questions of, hmm, you know, how am I approaching this both from the yang and the yin? Uh, Yeah, and that circles back to the original part of uh, the thinking and feeling. We're then in the thinking mode. That is like the masculine. Is it the yin in that case? The logical thinking... Yeah, a little more yang, probably you'd say. Yeah, I get I get those two confused. I, I can I get it from the sense of masculine and feminine. Yeah, it's easy, yeah. Yin and yang, I, I get it the wrong way around. Um, and it's again, it comes back to stillness. If you're still, then you're open to whatever way it takes you to. You'll explore it, feel it, think it. Clarity will be there, and you'll know the actionable steps. Okay, all right. So based on what we've shared today. What one key advice would you give to our listeners? Well, we talked about that five, 10 minutes of just noticing. Um, I think that I think that would go a long way. I think um, you know, the thing that comes to mind is r- r- maybe something about all of this stuff, stillness, we can we can start with our own senses, and um, and for me, connecting with nature is you know like the the beginning point is remembering that we have our senses and what a gift to have them, and in a mo- any moment of silence, you can come back to like what am I thinking, what am I feeling, what what do I hear, what do I smell, and almost treating it as a little celebration. Um, I spent I spent a little bit of time with an with another gentleman, an elder from Greenland. He's a sort of shaman teacher character, and uh, every day he begins his day by going downstairs, getting a glass of water, sipping that water, and then going yeah, <laughs> um, and that's his first celebration of the day. So find your little moments of celebration and enjoy the stillness, the feeling, the emotion of it all, um, just to be human in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being grateful for what you have right now. Hmm. I'd say that. 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any services or products available to help the listeners to go to yellow? Uh, thanks, Tammy. Um, well, the, 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 we've got a thing called the Bio Leadership Project, and the, the website is, is bio-leadership.org. Um, we, we've got upcoming workshops. We've got events to help people connect around this, especially how do we change the story of leadership with nature. And we've announced a global fellowship. So we're looking for up to 108 people from all around the world who've got a question or a project or a challenge that they feel is a candle for what they're doing in their work, a candle for how we change leadership with nature. And if there are people in your community who would love to be part of a a group working with those questions and and feel supported by a a wider community, that's a good thing to look at. So that's the Bioleadership Fellowship, um, and it's on the same website. Okay, and how can the listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn, so Andres Roberts uh, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, we're doing a little bit on Instagram, so Andres Circles Roberts on Instagram. And then, you know, connect at bio-leadership.org. And um, we're, we're connecting with all kinds of people that way as well. Brilliant. Andres is available to support you, guide you, and inspire you on a journey to yellow. Reach out today. Help is here. It's always here, but you must take the first step. Details can be found in the description. Andres, thank you for your words of wisdom today and in the Yellow Magazine. May your life be yellow. Thank you so much, Tammy. That was great.